Okay. Well, welcome. So I want to just first welcome everyone to the On the Level, on the Level Leader podcast. Uh, whether you're watching this on YouTube or whether you're listening via audio podcast, just really happy to have you here. As you know, the goal of this podcast, if you are returning to it, is to help leaders grow, to become better leaders so that they can improve their working environments, but also grow their careers. I'm super excited to have Roderick here. Thanks for joining me today, Roderick Lenhart. He's a Michigan-born leader, uh, personal development coach, uh, author, volunteer, fundraiser, and as he claims, an all-around nice fella. And uh, <laughs> cur- currently lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, but is a bit of a world traveler. I love this. I look forward to hearing a little bit more about this. But apparently, when he left high school with apparently zero dollars in his pocket, he had committed to visiting every major league baseball park. I would assume that's in the U.S., not internationally, because I think there's a yeah. few in Japan and every continent by the age of 40. Um, and you visited your last park at the age of 38, which is in Seattle. Yep, and yep. COVID unfortunately derailed your plans to hit the Antarctic continent, which was the last continent, which is really cool. That's a really neat thing. Yeah. And last thing I'm going to say before we get started is that Roderick uh, really believes in empowering entrepreneurs uh, to build more than just a business and is about to release a new book called The Happiness Intersection, where he shares his method of aligning who we are with whom we want to be so that we can build businesses that enable us to thrive, not just survive. Welcome. Nailed it. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, Yeah, super excited to have you. Um, I like to start the podcast is something really simple because it's a leadership um, podcast. And we talk about what leadership is and its impact. I always like to start with a really easy question. And that is what does leadership mean to you and how has really great leadership impacted your life? Sure. Yeah. You say that's an easy question, but that's probably the most (laughs) complex question I've heard in weeks. Um, You know, the book honestly nails it for me. I mean, as an entrepreneur, I've had multiple businesses, you know, multiple seven figure businesses. I've failed a lot. <laughs> I've had yeah. businesses with employees. I've had businesses without employees. And, and for me and what I think I see in my coaching practice and I see in entrepreneurs with, you know, I work with people under five employees typically. So that, you know, they aren't even mid-level enterprises. They're very much small mom and pop type family business. And it's understanding yourself so mm. that you understand the people you work with. And I liken it to a lot of people have heard of the five love languages. And I, I liken it to that. You know, if you are, if my partner's love language is gifts, it doesn't matter how many times I listen intently to what they have to say for the day. They want a gift. <laughs> and yeah. unless you, unless you understand your love language and, you know, take it back to business, unless you understand what your employees, how they're motivated, yeah. No amount of uh, Hawaiian shirt Fridays is going to <laughs> spur them on to <laughs> to do their best and brightest, you know? Yeah. So what did you learn about yourself and all of these travels that you've taken up? Oh man, it's I say in the book there's no there's no lessons like the lessons you learn. I've been to almost 50 countries and from a very young age, and we'll probably talk about this later, but my my mom, we didn't have any money growing up, but my mom spent her literal last nickels to send me to Europe with one of those EF tours in seventh grade. It's it sounds cliche, but it was it was life changing. It it mm-hmm. is what allowed me to see that there is no them, there's just us on this planet. And to see the disparity of just incredible poverty next to a five-star hotel, you know, and 
And that struck me from a really young age. That's what inspired me to travel later in life. It's what inspired me to volunteer with Habitat, you know, nationally and internationally. And and just how can we help each other, one human family, you know, like that's if there's any lesson I've learned from travel, it's that. Yeah. And then how the magic and applying that to our work um, as leaders as well is huge because I know for me, I, one of my first lessons of that, believe it or not, was actually in the States because I'm Canadian, as you know. So I moved to, I moved to Florida, South South Florida in uh, 1996 and 97 and uh, worked in West Palm Beach, Florida, right across from Palm Beach where all the Trumps and everybody like to live. Anyways, the point being is that I worked in a non-for-profit hospital and I got to see the very bottom financial supported folks who were really struggling with drugs and alcohol and addictions and so on. But what was really interesting was seeing that dynamic, the two, the haves and the have nots, as we like to call people, unfortunately, we bucket them. But what it really came down to is every single human being in that place just wanted to raise their families, be healthy, be happy, have some success. You know, it's, it just, it just, it was just a real keen reminder of that and all the work I did as a nurse in my first career before I became a public servant and entrepreneur myself really taught me that there is really no them it's it's we're all one really so so that that's a really cool lesson that you learned i know this is a bit off topic from the but i'm just curious what was sort of your favorite place to visit like did you if would you have like a top place and why um historically i would have told you costa rica i lived oh, i lived wow. in costa rica for most of 2017 i had a house down there and a car and the the whole shot right. um and costa rica still is one of my favorite places on earth but thailand you know, in, yeah. in the mountains of Thailand, not necessarily Bangkok, but, you know, Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai areas. That right. is definitely the area that speaks to me and my soul. So uh, I just went for the second time here a couple months ago. I actually went around the world again. Went uh, I went east until I got home again. <laughs> First time I did that, I went west. So I <laughs> uh, hit Thailand both times. So that should tell you something. There's not too many places I've been more than once. That's awesome. Yeah. Thailand. What an interesting place. I've never been. I would love to go. I just think that's such a, it would be such a culture shock for us North Americans to go there too. But I would, I would think the the landscape would be just like jaw dropping. It is. And it, it's the people, you know, they call Thailand the land of smiles for a reason. Yeah. And there's, it's just such a welcoming people, despite the language barrier. You know, I, I learned Spanish in 27. I taught myself Spanish. I can speak fluent Spanish now. So it's, you can travel, I think 60% of the world if you know English and Spanish and yeah. get along, you know, but when you go into an Asian culture, and it was the same thing when I went into, you know, like the UAE and some of those areas where there's, it's a distinct, you can't read the signs. You can't, it's not even, you know, our, our lettering, right? So it's hard to figure out. So it really makes a difference when the, the culture of people are just super welcoming and love tourists and they're at every turn, they're willing strangers or shopkeepers or what have you are willing to help you along your way. It's interesting because my husband and I were talking about Portugal because um, we've got some friends that are looking to expat over to park Portugal for, you know, a slightly nicer, slower life lifestyle than what we have here, the crazy nine to five. And I was looking at some places in Portugal and I was like, man, it's just, I got to go. Like, it's just so beautiful. The Southern Portuguese, like in the Mediterranean or whether you're on the Atlantic side, doesn't matter. It's all gorgeous and the food looks awesome. So oh, yeah. like good on you for taking that, um, that challenge of traveling. Cause that's, that's awesome. And not a lot of people get to do that. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty cool experience. Yeah. If you, if you look at my, my values, you know, like we talk about in the book, what are your top values? My, my top values historically, and they change over time, you know, as your yeah. 
the dynamic in the world changes, but mine have always been freedom and autonomy and experiencing other cultures. Like that's, mm-hmm. I will trade more money. I will trade a lot of things for the ability to go abroad and be amongst the people as it were. I think there's a real movement towards that. I think humanity is just, we're nomadic by nature. And I think it's just one of those things where people are just wanting to spread their wings and get to know other cultures. This also influenced this development of a foundation for students, I'm understanding. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because you kind of made light of this, not made light of it, but you've mentioned it in the email that we were chatting. And I just want to know more yeah, about it. Yeah, so, and it's it's kind of, it's semi-private because it's in the background. So, you know, with the book and the courses and everything I do kind of, public facing as a coach it's we donate 100 percent of that to charity like not a nickel of that to me and uh, we partner with charity water so the the vast majority of those funds go to charity water what i'm building in the background so your listeners will be the first ones in public to know that this is even a thing um, (laughs) is a charity charity called send a student leader abroad so okay and that's where we're going to start to divert a lot of this money. And we're, we're working with, I coached baseball in Charlotte for a lot of years at the middle school there. Um, so they will be the first ones that we uh, send a kid abroad. So it's much like my mom did for me and probably wasn't able to, but still did it. I want to be able to do that. I don't have any kids of my own. And my goal by the time I, I leave this pale blue dot is to send a million kids abroad. And oh, so wow. it's a that's big awesome. audacious goal that's going to require an enormous <laughs> amount of money. But um that's that's the plan is to, you know, they have to show need and they have to write an essay about what, what it's going to do for them and their life and how they think it will impact them. But then we'll cover all the expenses for them. So that's amazing. Yeah, we're super excited. I'm more excited, as excited as I get about coaching and entrepreneurship. I am 10x more excited about this. So it's been hard to keep it a secret. Yeah. I mean, we we kind of, we're sort of dancing around the concept of the book, but I'd really like to get to that. So um, I know that you're a coach, but, and a business leader. So what was sort of the impetus for writing the book? What kind of influenced you to do that? And what is the book about? Share, share with the audience sort of what you're doing here. Yeah. So I'll I'll give you a little bit of background. So, you know, I've owned many companies. I I started with $0, as you can probably imagine. We, you know, I didn't grow up with much money and small little businesses starting when I was 17, 18 years old, and then eventually grew into much larger enterprises. So I was 24, I think, when I had made my first million dollars. By 29, I had lost it all because I put everything in real estate and what could possibly go wrong. (laughs) So. We all know what went wrong. And yeah. uh, so I, I basically had to start over and do it again. And of all right. things, I started a construction company when it was the worst time to start a construction company ever in the history of the United States, maybe shy of the Great Depression. So did that and uh, also started a, a real estate company. I was about five years into the construction company, started a real estate company and did short-term rentals in Charlotte. So we were one of the first full-scale short-term rental where we would manage it for you. Think Airbnb, VRBO, oh, but you just get a check at the end of the month. We do everything for you. Right. Um, and I sold that business last year. So June of last year, I had sold the business and was also graduating from Brown with my ICF uh, designation as a coach. So I, then I took six months off. And what am I going to do with my life? I don't really have to do anything, but you can probably tell already. I'm not the kind of guy that just sits around and right. uh, thinks, thinks about fishing all day. So um, I took six months to reflect, honestly, and what despite all the ups and downs and death and divorce and all the things, you know, I lost my mom a couple of years ago, who was absolutely my inspiration and best friend. And mm. 
through all of those things, I've always been relatively happy. I've always dusted myself off. I didn't blame anybody else. And I just kept going and kept going. Mm. And I, I was that kid that was, you know, 17 years old on rollerblades. If you can remember the rollerblade days um, with my disc man, listening to Tony Robbins right. and Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and all these people. So I've, I've always been that kind of student of life type. And what I didn't realize at the time was what's in the book is that I was always honoring my values of who I was as a person. Mm. And every time I would get knocked down, that's okay. Here's, here's who I am. Here's who I want to be in this world. And that's always been my why. That's been my drive. That's if you look at how I'm building this business, I'm, I'm giving most of it away because I want it to be in as many hands as possible. And I want to help as many kids as possible. I want to help charity water as much as possible. Those are my whys. And there's, they're so much bigger than money or power or notoriety, yeah. you know, and, but I didn't know that at the time. So between my work at Brown and then just that kind of deep introspection that I never had the time for before, it was how can I take everything I've learned and I'm no guru, I'm not an expert. I'm just, I'm just a guy who figured out what worked for him, you know, and, it, and I think maybe it'll work for a couple other people out there. So that's, yeah. that's why I wrote the book. So the book is, it's literally a, it's a little bit about me and my journey. But it's it's a how-to of of how to discover really, and I underline really, who you are as a person. And as entrepreneurs, we're in a unique position to be able to change the course of our business to meet that. And that's the happiness intersection. So once you figure out who you are, let's build a business that where those two things intersect, allow you to thrive as a human being mm -hmm. so that you have other people thrive as human beings. And then what a time to be alive, right? That we're able to share all these things so easily. Yeah, that's thanks. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I'm wondering though, in terms of when you were writing the book or actually when you're going through the experiences even before the book happened, what were some of the challenges to you really embracing and, and endorsing your own values? I know I have my own challenges around my values. So I'm wondering how, like what came up for you when you started, have you always been in alignment or were there challenges you had to overcome along the way that sort of pointed you back towards? I'll give you, yeah, I'll give you one really, uh, uh, I'll give you a whopper. <laughs> I was 25. I was 25. I was living in Charleston, South Carolina. I had had three successful businesses by that point. I was manufacturing some automotive, some performance automotive parts, and I had a wholesale home theater business. Um, it was all online. So I was shipping stuff all over the world. And I chased the money. And went to sell new homes and it was great. And I learned, I, I, you know, there is no failure, right? Like it's always either learn or you win. So mm -hmm. it was definitely a learning experience, but I was, you know, laying on a operating table about to get back surgery because they're going to fuse my discs because I was in such tremendous pain and, and come to find out it was all stress related. Right. And I had, I was 25, making a quarter million dollars a year, you know, no kids, no debt. I mean, buy anything I wanted, go anywhere I wanted. And I was absolutely miserable. And mm -hmm. it wasn't until later that I realized, you know, well, what are my top values? It's not money. Money's on the list, but it's not in the top five. Right. You know, and I was not honoring that. And I just, I made a mistake and I got out of it. As soon as I realized it, I got out of it and I've, you know, back on track, but we all, we all go through those, all yeah. go through those experiences, you know? And what do you say to someone who says, ah, value schmalues, I just want to make money. Like, I don't, I don't, how do you get around that? So somebody because sometimes we, we tend to lose, we tend to lose perspective when we chase, chase the money. We think that's what we really have to do. 
And yet we don't align with our values. And like you said, we wonder why we're miserable after. But I, I wonder, like, what do you say to some kid who's like, whatever, man, I'm just going to chase the cash. Like, I don't know. What do you say to that person? What advice do you give to them? It's a great question. The My practice is to just put the idea in their head. I'm not, I'm not here to convince you. And because right. I don't believe people can be convinced. Um, your tribe, anyone's tribe is on the edges. You know, I'm not here to convince 4 billion people that, that coaching is right for them and they need to, <laughs> they need to understand yeah. their values. But, but the ones, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher appears, you know, the ones that have yeah. the, the open ears are the ones that I'm going to invest the time in, but I'm, but I'm still going to put the idea in their head. Mm. And just like the idea was put in my head by so many mentors 20 years ago. And it took me a long time to realize exactly what all that meant. That's it. You know, there's, I was, uh, last week I was down in Charlotte uh, and I was visiting with a friend and this is a great example of that. She just took, it was actually the video I put up today on if you follow million dollar flip flops, but um, she took a job at the bank and I've heard her say, sold my soul, couldn't turn it down. It was so mm-hmm. much money, all these things. And she's a very intelligent and, and introspective person. Yeah. And 20, fast forward 20 minutes later, we're talking about what I'm doing with with my coaching clients. And I said, well, you know, what are your top two values? And immediately she says community and uh, giving back. That's well, (laughs) where where does money fall on that list? Oh, it's not even on the list. So it's, it's why the second part of, you know, when you're going through my book, you start with your why and you go to authenticity next, then you go to values. Cause if you're not being honest with yourself, which clearly she was not, at least in that moment, then it doesn't matter how much of the work you do because you're doing it for someone else. She was clearly telling me, what she wanted the world to see, but her actions say money is very high on that list. And maybe it's money because of security or it's money because her parents thought about it or it's my, you know, you don't know, but it's on the list. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I'm not going to argue with her. She was visibly upset when I said, well, you know, I think money's higher on that list than you're giving credit to. And, and uh, I let it go, but it doesn't mean she's not going to think about it today or tomorrow or next year and make a different decision. Yeah, it's hard because I know that um, my husband and I have had these conversations about chasing the money because one of the things he's done his entire life is chase the money. Like, you know, I'll be a dentist and then I'll be this and I'll be that, I'll be this, I'll be that. And of course, chasing the money never really led to any kind of happiness. And the same thing happened to me in my career. Like I left my nine to five to pursue coaching for that exact same reason. I, I sat within myself and thought, what am I actually valuing? Do I value the money of the next position? the power of the next position. Um, and the reality was is sitting as an executive, you know, making well into the six figures thinking, is this really it for me? Like, is this what I want to do? You know, I'm sitting outside having wine every day, talking about bitch whining and complaining about the leadership of my organization. And look, there's some really fantastic people. Like people need to work in public service. There's some really important reasons why people public service exists. I don't care what anybody says about government. The reality is they're there for a reason, but for me, it didn't sit well with my, in, I couldn't be in integrity and be in the job. And so when I, when I found coaching, it was like a light bulb went off in my head, like, oh, so not only can I do this, but I could probably get paid well doing this and actually build a business around this. And I think that was when, for me, the light bulb went off. So I, I love hearing your story about how you came, how you came to this and, and honoring your values, because that's, that's a huge piece of the pie for all of us. And I would argue even more so for entrepreneurs, because if you're going to build something, you better damn well build something you're going to love, or else you're going to be finding yourself pretty damn miserable every day, trying to stay motivated to keep the business going, which I'm finding 
So, so some of the tips and tricks around, like if an entrepreneur picks up your book tomorrow and starts reading it, like what are some tangible outcomes that they could achieve or some aha moments they might get from this besides the values? That's a big piece of it. But what else can your book actually help them sort of realize as they read through it? Um, you know, other than the personal work, I think, I think it really, and I've seen this more, not with solopreneurs, obviously they're by themselves, but um, mm-hmm. one of my clients is an accountant. So she was one of the first people to, before this was a book, she was one of the first people to go through this program Right. and she's a better relationship with her husband, better relationship with her employees. Mm-hmm. There's all these other things that center around values and sure I, I work with entrepreneurs, but it. It sounds crazy, but it literally helps every other area of your life. It can't not. Mm. And just, and maybe not, you know, getting out every workbook and spending all the time to go through it, but just having the ideas in your head is going to change the way you interact with other people. There's no way around it. Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately it makes us not just better entrepreneurs, but better leaders if we do have a team that works with us ultimately as well. So who's been your biggest influence in your life, do you figure? Oh, man. I mean, probably my mom, <laughs> you know, and I think because my mom wasn't a business person and she was an artist and, and never, never really sold her stuff, you know, beautiful, right. beautiful art that she would go to the little craft fair and people would try to knock her down a few bucks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but she, she's the one that taught me early on that, that any, literally anything is possible. You know, mm. if you, if you have a love for it, just do it, figure out a way to do it. You know, and even, you know, a few years back before she passed away, I mean, I would talk to her a few times a week and I would just ramble for an hour and she was just the world's best sounding board. She was, you know, kind of like, kind of like we pay a psychologist to do for 200 bucks an hour, sit there and listen to us ramble. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, that was it. And I, and I think it was that she, she believed in possibility. And I think that was, that was the thing I took away from my time with her. What I love about that story is it just talks about, I did an exercise once I had an exercise with a group that I was providing a leadership um, workshop on. And one of the, one of the um, exercises we did was name five, you know, Pulitzer prize winners, name five, you know, famous actors who won the, you know, Academy award or what have you. And of course we all would have to Google these things, but the minute you ask somebody who is your biggest influence in your life, it's usually somebody that we have a connection to. And I love that because it just speaks to the importance of relationships and how those people around us can have such a huge influence, which is why that's why I'm passionate about leadership because to me, it's all about relationship. There's, you can have a position of power, but it means nothing if you're not developing a relationship with the people around you, right? You're just, you're just the boss. You're not really a leader. And I think that's, that's kind of the way I, that's my philosophy in life. So that's, I love that story. I don't have a mom like that in my life. You know, my parents were very narcissistic and very toxic. And I, I excelled in spite of them and not because of them. Um, but what was interesting about that is I like to take the positive spin is they taught me a lot about myself. They taught me about my resilience and my compassion and my empathy and my ability to shift and pivot and all those things. So, so I love that. That's a, that's a great example. Knowing what you don't want is just as important as knowing what you do. Yeah. And actually when it comes to values, like let you know, this as a coach, right? Sometimes people are not always clear about what their goals are or what they really want. And sometimes that's the thing is that is you really have to just look, okay, well, what do you not want? We know Mm -hmm. you don't want to work in this job anymore. You don't want to work in a big organization. You don't, want to whatever live in the house you're in or what have you so those those are the kinds of things that you sometimes have to do um what do you think some of the biggest challenges are for entrepreneurs today oh man not even just today i mean i, I don't think i, I think the the 
biggest challenge that I'm seeing, at least as I build this business, is the the low barrier of de- of entry. And for right. you know, not that it's always been, it's never been difficult to start a business, depending on what that business is. But now, with the prevalence of social media, and you know, any anyone can be an entrepreneur, and it starts to dilute, much like coaching, it starts mm-hmm. to dilute the real entrepreneurs that are out there doing the real work, you know, because everyone who is in between jobs is now an entrepreneur. Or a wantrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, they they love want it. to be an entrepreneur, but they <laughs> don't want to do the work that goes with it. Yeah, that's it. They, they want the result, right? What they say the the biggest um, high school kids are graduating, their, their biggest goal is to be an influencer. Like that's the number one occupation for a kid. Yeah. Gosh. And you know, even in that, like having you and I both have YouTube channels and you know, if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube, you need to go to Roderick's uh, site, which is um, million dollar flip flops. Thank you. Yeah, that's fine. You go ahead. Fill in, fill in the blanks. Uh, In fact, I'll I'll put the website in, but it's really, it's at million dollar flip flops on YouTube. So if you want to look them up. So if you go to the website, it links to all the socials. Send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I'll, I'll put my, my link afterward in a minute, but, um, being an influencer is hard work, man. It's not Absolutely. all about, you know, just showing up and just doing a couple of TikToks and you're good to go. I mean, yeah, it helps when you're young and sexy, when you're gray haired, like I am, it doesn't always happen. And in the leadership development space, let's be honest, this is a, it's a little bit of a dry environment. We have to think outside the box to attract the crowd to our groups. Right. Um, but it's, it's hard work. It's every week you got to figure out what your content is and what are you going to tackle and what's topic, you know, what topic is really sort of timing, like the timing of the topics and all of that and doing your market research, all of that. It's, it was such a learning curve for me as an entrepreneur yourself. And you've had a few million dollar flip flops, which is where this, you know, the whole (laughs) phrase comes from, um, from your own perspective, I know that, um, as a serial employee, prior to becoming an entrepreneur, one of the things I really had to really adapt to was the notion of failing and pivoting, failing and pivoting, failing and pivoting. Cause we were taught in school kids, you don't fail. You are embarrassed. If you fail, it's an, it's an embarrassment. It's not, we're not supposed to fail. We're supposed to be perfect all the time. Mm-hmm. So then as an entrepreneur with all of these various things, like what, how do you keep yourself primed to keep moving forward? Cause some people who were watching this are probably whether they're on your channel or mine, might be early entrepreneurs who's struggling with the day-to-day humdrum of building a business. Like, let's be honest, it's not always easy. So how do you keep yourself sort of motivated to keep going and to keep taking action? Yeah. I, heard, I don't know if you follow Alex Hormozzi or not, but he he put a video up today and it was, you know, the number one key to success in his words is mastering the middle. Right. And, you know, the, it's, it's super exciting to start a business. I'm very much a startup. I don't, wanna, I don't know what adjective. If I want to use, but it's like I <laughs> started with a W. But I yeah. love the startup side of things. You know, it's so yeah. exciting. I love learning new stuff. Like my favorite part about this business and writing the book was just all the different little things I didn't know. You know, and that's the right. juice for me is that going out and getting that education. And I think in the middle, you know, it's I don't know if it was Edison who said I I didn't fail. I found ten thousand ways that didn't work. Yeah, I think when you when you when you fail, quote unquote. It's not, that's just part of the process. If you're, if you're not willing to fail, you are not cut out to be an entrepreneur and not everybody is, you know, not everybody has the stomach for it. I I don't think that it's something you learn. You know, I fail more in a day than I, than I succeed, (laughs) you know, and that's why I'm successful period point blank. 
you know? So unless you can embrace that as you're getting closer to the thing you want, and that's why the why is so important Yeah. because I'm not going to give up on the charity. I'm not going to give up on these kids. I want to send abroad. So it, that's what powers me through. That's my motivation. And the people that want to just start a business, it's like when I ask people, it's in the book as well. When I ask people their why, they'll start to talk. I say, hold on, hold on, hold on. qualifier. It can't involve money, power, or notoriety. And then you watch them draw a blank. And yeah. because those things are fleeting. And yeah. you have to have a bigger purpose than that. You have to, or you, you will quit. You 100% of the time you'll quit. Yeah. And the minute somebody says, I don't agree with you, or I think your product is shit, then you're like, oh, uh, I guess I'll quit then. And you yeah. don't really continue because you I, don't have it strong enough. Yeah. I've got a real strong inner critic. I have got a real yeah. strong saboteur that I have beat the piss out of for years and years and years. <laughs> and and the biggest lesson for that is not everybody is your audience. Not Yeah. Your tribe will find you. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I'm learning that myself. And it's, it's uh, that inner, that inner critic, man. Oh, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if this is just a North American nine to five. Like, uh, I don't know if this is just a cultural thing or if this is really, truly global, because I've met people from other cultures who don't seem to struggle with the same things. But I feel like for me, at least from my being upbringing in Canada, it, we were it was so drilled in our heads to be successful, you know, to get an education, get a job, you know, become an executive, make six figures, buy a house, have children, all those things. And so when we go against that, like I have a friend right now, she is an influencer, but she became an influencer late in life, like in her forties, she's child free and happy to be as she puts it. And she's living the lifestyle that she's always wanted. But here's the thing is, yes, there's money to this lifestyle she's living, but it, the lifestyle itself aligns with her life, like purpose and drive. So she just shines. Like I remember her in the corporate job, how miserable she was like, yeah, she did a great job. She's super smart. She's super organized, was a great project lead. Not the point. She fucking hated it. So it was like, I'm out, you know, I'm out of this. And so that alignment of values, man, that's like so important. So important. And you can't see it. You know, that's, I think everybody should have a therapist and everybody should have a coach. Every yeah. single person on the face of this earth. I think we would all be better people. You can't see it. It's like my friend I told you that took the job at the bank. She is, she is visibly not the shining light she was before. And you can yeah. see the wheels turning while she tries to justify it. And your friend was the same way in her corporate work, right? Yep. I was the same way when I took the corporate job. And same other way. people will tell you. And you have to be open to listening to that. You know, when they say- And, and also open that, to risk. Yeah. yeah, but you also have to be willing to risk a little too. Because when I left my nine to five, it was calculated. Uh, based sure. on pension, pension, my pension amounts that I could withdraw. Um, but the fact is, I got three kids. I got a house. This is a house I got to pay a mortgage on. My husband, a dog, you know, 2.2, all that stuff. And white picket fence, well, brown picket fence, but same concept. <laughs> um, so for me to leave my nine to five, it took a big leap of faith. Like talk about, you know, Gay Hendricks leap of faith. Like I had to take a big leap of faith to, to, to get out of that nine to five and trust myself and my intuition. So like, that's another piece too. I'm curious about your intuition. Like how, how does it speak to you? Like when your intuition speaks, like, how do you, I know when I feel it, I, I feel it in here in my chest. Like something tells me it's off. Like how, mm -hmm. what does intuition look like for you? Cause again, leaders, we tend to ignore it. We hear things we know in here, it's not right. We don't align with it. So I'm just curious about what your thoughts are on that. You, same as you, you, just, you have to listen to it. It's, it's always, you know, that gut feeling is a real mm -hmm. thing. 
know, that, yeah. that is your, that is your body telling you, you know, that you're making the wrong decision. And I've typically, I'll say in my mind, okay, this is the way I'm going to go. And if I feel relief, literally feel relief, I know it's the right, it was the right thing, even if it's hard. So as a coach, who would you say is your sort of perfect demographic or your perfect client? Who do you work with primarily right now? Um, entrepreneurs and small business generally under five employees is, is kind of my wheelhouse. And it's also, also people that are, that are interested in, uh, personal development work, you know, not, not every entrepreneur is introspective and that's fine. Mm. My, My person is somebody who isn't going to explain to me why their way is right. They are open to new ideas and they are able to be honest with themselves. You know, the, the authenticity part of the book, there's a reason it's at the beginning and it's, it's such a huge, huge piece of it. And your, your client base is not just out of the U.S., correct? You're global? Yeah, I've got a client in Germany right now, um, one in Costa Rica. So, okay. And I, work, I only work with six people at a time. So I, I keep a very, my private coaching practice is very small by design. No, oh, that's perfect. And it's just so that people know if they're watching this and they're like, hey, I really like this guy, I resonate with what he's saying, that they'll, if this is something they're interested in. So that might be a good sort of lead um, to sort of where folks can find you. If they're interested in the book and... It, they're an entrepreneur and they're really interested in what you have to say on that one. Where can they find you? Where can they find your book? Is it simply going to the website? Sort of give us a sense of that. Yeah. So I think we were chatting a little bit offline. Like you caught me, like I'm, I'm literally my four o'clock today is with the digital marketing agency, Amber Vilhauer that we're um, partnering with to launch the book and do a lot of the other things. So right now it's literally a landing page. Uh, it's million dollar flip flops with an S.com. And that will give you all the information. It'll allow you to email me. Um, and I would love to have a conversation with people. You know, we're still looking for test readers for the book. So there's an opportunity for folks to get, you know, the first three chapters and they'll get a free, free book when it comes out um, and give me some feedback on how we can make it better before it launches. So right now it's a June 15th uh, pre-sale launch. And that's when everybody will get kind of a rough manuscript. And then I think September 15th is what Amber's pushing for to have it be the actual on sale date for Amazon. But yeah, right now we're very early stages. And that was part of, if you follow my Instagram at million dollar flip flops, it's, it's the building of this business Mm. along with, you know, here's kind of my theory on life and the the way I work with, with clients. So I was doing it twofold. So people could see, Hey guys, I was in Tokyo in January. I said, Hey, I've never been on video. I hate looking at myself on video. You are the first ones to see it. And that's the first post because I know (laughs) that I have to do it. And That was it. So it's, you're kind of watching it build. I have, I think, 300 followers on Instagram right now. I've, I've told them all awesome. in my personal life that I'm doing this. It's all very organic, very small. And it's it's exactly the way I like it. So Awesome. Well, you know, I just want to say is it this was a great introduction to you. I'm, I'm glad we got to have a chat. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I'd love to have you back sometime, especially after you've had your full launch, sort of how things are going. And uh, the one last thing I have for you is you talked about having one-on-one coaching. You've got your book coming out. Do you have any other offerings that you're thinking about offering in the future that people might want to keep an eye on your website for just in case you were to come up with yeah. any other realities? Yeah. So there's, there's a journal that goes along with the book and it's got 365 right. days worth of prompts and it's the happiness intersection journal um, Perfect. and then doing courses as well. So for that person who they read the book or they just learn differently, there will be an audio book. I know I like to listen to books rather than yep. I'm kind of half and half there, uh, yep. but you'll be able to take, it's a five uh, part <clears throat> course that takes you through the waves method. So why authenticity, 
values and then exploration and then your statements, so your personal mission statement. But you'll be able to go through that with me on video. And then that includes, at least for now, includes a 30-minute call with me to kind of wrap it all up and see what you're not seeing at the end. So yeah. Um, and with the course, you get the book and the journal and the time with me. So there's there's just a lot of things we're trying to bundle together. And again, 100% of it goes to charity. I don't keep a nickel of anything on the top end of this business. My private coaching, that you know, I make a few bucks yeah. there. But uh, everything on the top end goes to a good cause. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's a lot of value. Um, so folks, if you're listening to this on podcast or watching here on YouTube, make sure you check out milliondollarflipflops.com so that you can check out Roderick's offerings. I'm sure there'll be other things to come in the future because you, as you said yourself, you don't like to sit still. So I don't imagine this will be the last of it. There'll be other things to come for sure. Um, so happy to have you. And for those that are um, here every week, remember that I am here every single week uh, with leadership content, helping you be the best leader you can be so you can grow in your career. It was great having you, Roderick. Thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tammy. We'll talk soon. Take care and good luck on the book.